0: 7654321. <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother.
1: Welcome friends to episode 160 of Color of Magic, your Magic Gaming podcast, where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. I am your host, glad to be back. And for 160 episodes, still got my main man, Brian Allen. How's it going, dude? It, it is going. I say glad to be back. People don't realize I was at Magic was 30 all weekend. So, yeah, that was, that was a crazy thing. Still have tons of content to share from that. So this is going to be a wild week. But, dude, you know, I got to tell you, remember how I got all the good parts of the weather for a while? Uh-huh. I, got, I got the bad parts now. Cold set in early. Like, it, it, we had a high of 48 yesterday. And it's uh, it was forty degrees last night. So like, winter's winter's right around the corner for me.
0: Yeah, you've had <laughs> to, had so much fun and good weather to where I have zero sympathy for you. Exactly. As I'm saying, it's just my turn. Like, you know, we reached a part of the year where it starts getting dark
1: early and all that. So you know, I, I had my fun. Now I gotta. But you know, this doesn't hurt me though because I don't like being outside in the cold all that much anyway. So being dark early is whatever. You know, I'll be inside regardless. But man, we're going to have so much stuff. By the way, if my voice is awful, I need to apologize because I literally, the show was so wild. I talked to so many people trying to talk over the noise. All I did was nurse my voice all weekend and it still didn't help. Like it was crazy. But fortunately, never lost my voice completely. I was able to uh, talk to everyone, I was able to do my panel work. It was great. But if I just found it sound a little scratchy, it is not your ears, it is not your headphones. It is definitely me today. It, It is for sure a me problem. But let's get into the show here and pay some love to our friends over at Cardsphere.com. If you haven't checked out their website, you really should. It is a great way to pick up cards. Honestly, it's like a super fancy trading site if you think about it that way. But you basically get to name your price that you want to do business at, whether you're selling or buying. Something really different than what's out there. You should go pay them some love because they've been supporters of ours for quite a while. Check them out over at Cardsphere.com. And then if you want to... Give us some support directly, which we really appreciate. Check out patreon.com slash color of magic. And you can show us some love just like our newest patron, Dominic Monfrey. Thank you for coming on board. And as always, you can go over to color of mtg.com slash shop and pick up some tokens and play mats. Which, by the way, I saw some of those out in the wild. Really appreciate it. Got to sign some of those. It was awesome. I gave a few tokens away that people really loved. So, yeah, I'm glad I did that. It's been it's been fun. But let's go ahead and hop into some issues because we do have some serious things to talk about among some fun stuff and the end of the episode. Boy, do I have a story for you from this weekend. All right. On this one, this this is like a thing I've seen come up before, not for a little while, but it's popped back up again recently. And I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus because I'm not trying to to get anybody yelled at or whatever, but this is more a PSA in general. Like, we, if you've not participated on Kickstarter, it's a site where you go and people have new ideas or new projects or inventions, and they kind of crowdfund them to get them produced, and you get a reward or you get a discount or whatever for being part of the, the early adopters, if you will. Well, it's one of the big ways people get new board games out, right? They can't get them submitted to a company that wants to print them, so they just do them directly on on Kickstarter. And they do these things called stretch goals, which is basically, hey, we're trying to raise, let's say, $10,000. All right. Well, we raised our 10. If we get to 20, we'll add like, I don't know, some gold leaf outline to the board or whatever. Right. And then like we get to 30,000, we'll we'll make just making up some we'll make diamond dice or whatever. Right. Just silly things because they made more money. Well, one of the things that I've noticed happen sometimes is they put the diversity under a stretch goal. Which doesn't make a whole lot of sense, right? Because what, like, and what I mean by that, and it, and it comes in a lot of forms. Like, I've seen one where all the main characters in the game were dudes. And they're like, oh, we're going to add this fancy badass woman warrior or whatever when we hit 25K. And it's like, well, why isn't she just part of the crew? Like, it's just a weird place to put it. Like, oh, we're going to add this Mexican character character at $50,000 or whatever. And it's like, but you could have just had a Mexican character as part of your crew. Like why is diversity set as a stretch goal? That doesn't make any sense. Like you, you could just get more people interested in your product by just having them right there front and center. We've talked about it before, having them on the artwork or having them in the demos or whatever it is, right? Like that's going to draw more attention and get more people that are going to see your product as more relatable than Maybe getting to see it in the game if you raise enough money. Cause then the question always comes up: okay, let's say you don't raise money, raise enough money. Are these items, characters, whatever, never gonna be part of the game? Sorry, and,
0: didn't get enough money, no black folk.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right? Like that that's basically what they're saying. Like, we're willing to include this if you give us enough money first. But if we don't get enough money, then I, I guess we're never gonna have these people in the game or whatever. Right, or if we barely fund, uh, it sucks. I guess our product's never going to have this. And the reality is, they're kind of hurting themselves. It's because, like, we can look at a product and just go, "Like, ah, okay, it's all stereotypical, similar characters, whatever." All right, fine. Whereas, if you just had them in the product again, on the cover art, in your demos, whatever, a few more people are going to look at that and go, "Like, you know what? Let me check this out," or uh, "You know what? These people get it," or "They're trying to do something different," or whatever you'll get some eyeballs. So it's weird to just say like that, like if anything, your stretch goal should be different classes. It should be different colors of things, you know, higher quality items, maybe express shipping or whatever, right? The other things that like, it's just weird to choose diversity as your stretch goal. Like if there's a real message to take away here, maybe it's exactly it, but just one line that diversity is not a stretch goal you're you're either aware of it and you like maybe that's the worst part about it right like by making it a stretch goal you're kind of saying like well i know this is something people might want so they'll spend more money so maybe we put it in the game like you're almost using a stretch goal as your like advertising vehicle to try to get more money like like why like that that has just a bad feeling to it, and I'm to the point now that when I see that, I'm kind of like, I probably am not supporting this project like i I just don't get it. I really don't I like, yeah, I'm sitting here even now, I'm trying to logic like why would you think that's a good idea? like even if you sat there and thought, okay, I'm looking at my characters, I'm looking at the game, you know whatever, and I'm going, you know. We probably really do need more people of color. We probably do need more non-male representation in this game or whatever. What if we just put it at 50,000 on the stretch goal? Right? You know what I mean? Like, instead of just going like, hey, we realized this was a problem. Why don't we include this in the game? But you're like, right, we'll just do it here and then maybe we'll get around to including it. Even though we've already established that it's missing from the game.
0: Like this is just, another situation where probably no people of color or or women, or anything other than straight white males were consulted here. It's funny you say that because
1: of the people I can find involved with this latest one, it was only two dudes I could find. So and they were not people of color. So it does make. Had sense. they asked
0: anybody, it'd be like, "Hey, somebody would have had this conversation." They'd be like, "Yeah, diversity is not a stress goal." It would have just. Yeah, it they, just doesn't didn't make sense. They realize the horror, you know?
1: <laughs> and the thing is, like I said, they're only putting it there because you realize either A, it's something you're missing, or B, that it's something people want. So it's just bad business either way. You know what I mean? Like, you're saying, our game isn't as good as it could be because it's missing a settlement, or our game's not going to make as much money because this is a thing people want. Like,
0: I, like ah,
1: yeah, just don't. Diversity's not a stretch goal, people. Don't do it don't put it out there and honestly don't support games that make it a stretch goal. Now it's one thing if we're saying, Hey, there's already, let's say uh, a female barbarian or whatever. All right, cool. And then we're like, Hey, and we're also going to add a female wizard or whatever later on. Okay, cool. Now you're just getting a different selection of characters that happen to come in different genders or whatever. Okay, cool. No problem. There's no issue there. Right. But when that's your only one, and the only way to get it is after those stretch goals. Like, that's the bad part. So, yeah, diversity is not a stretch goal. Don't support those things. And point it out to people so they'll fix it because that's just a silly way to do business.
0: All right, Brian, what you got? All right. Uh yeah, I we can almost uh, certainly say former. <laughs> so it's not official yet, but it sounds like we'll be able to say former Celtics coach Emile Widoka here in at least a couple of days was suspended for uh, basically having having um, having a relationship with one of his subordinates from the Celtics. Yeah. The organization found that out and obviously realized that they wanted to send the message that <laughs> that kind of behavior is not okay. So I mean, they 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 really came down on him very hard. They this is a, a this is a coach that just took his team to the NBA finals. They suspended him for the entire year. It was still up in the air as to whether or not they were going to bring him back, and they they hadn't said one way or the other. And now That's it's the right own. move, though. Yeah. <laughs> so you know the, the the Celtics are to be applauded because I don't know how many teams would take the guy that just took him to the NBA finals and and say, hey, you know what? <laughs> You can't be acting like that. You're, you, you, you at least for a year, just, just don't come in this building. Yeah, I feel that. I feel also compelled to point out that Ime Udoka had a girlfriend, and it was Neil Long. <laughs> so, as, as Black Twitter has already mentioned, who <laughs> cheats on Neil Long? Ime that, Udoka, that is true. true. The dude already got
1: the biggest bag. He's probably gonna get. You know the, what I mean? Like, got greedy. I mean, he,
0: he, he he just lost his mind momentarily. not that you should ever cheat on anybody but that was especially a moment where black twitter had to just be like bro what are you even thinking about right now and from everything so, i see on her she's actually a cool good person too right i uh, you, you just you know you have never heard of, or at least i've never heard of a story about oh neil long was terrible to be in such and such place she did this horrible thing like nah, i'm not saying there aren't any out there but i as of yet haven't yeah heard of for sure for sure but, you know, it seemed like, okay, this is, the NBA was going to, at least the Celtics were going to send a message that this kind of behavior will not be tolerated around here, and hopefully other NBA teams would see that. The Celtics are one of the best organizations in sports, so they kind of you know, set the pace on things like this. But, no, no, the Brooklyn Nets apparently are contemplating hiring Udoka before he started to get this point two months of his suspension. Mm-hmm. So it looks like he won't even miss an entire – if if reports are true and it's being reported by multiple reliable sources that cover the NBA, that at least it's the thing they're talking about doing. Yeah, that's just – that's just wild. So the fact is – the fact that it's even the way – you, but it, it fits with – because as I talked about how great the Celtics are, the Nets are the complete opposite. They're a dumpster fire right now. That's part of the reason they're willing to pretty much sell their souls to try to get a you know, coach. You know what's that has, funny,
1: though? Like, I, I – I would look at him and not even because of what he did would I not hire him. I would hire him because he's bad at risk management. Right? Like, dude, you had effectively a supermodel and you had a job, a multi million dollar job. And you decided to risk both of those by just having a little fun with another employee that yeah. you definitely should not have been messing around with. Like,
0: come on, bro. Like, <laughs> Lost an incredible relationship and one of the one of the top the best jobs, jobs in sports. In the, yeah, if you're talking about a head coaching jobs in
1: sports, head coach of the Celtics is one up there. Yeah, that's right? what
0: they were like the Yankees, which is a pains We do admit it. The Cowboys. Yeah, it's, that's it's one easy. of the premier jobs, right? Like it's in basketball, yeah. it's that or the Lakers, right? Or you know,
1: although the Lakers are well, <laughs> yeah, burning yeah. I mean, that down I'm not saying they're playing good day. basketball right now, but you still want that job. You know what I mean? It's, it's,
0: uh, yeah. Which, yeah, this guy looks like he isn't even going to miss a year after being his, and he's, the thing is he didn't even fight his Celtic suspension. It'd be different if he had said, Hey, I didn't do that. Or I'm not, uh, I didn't do what I was accused of. No, there's been nothing for no. no, no.
1: Like everybody agreed that all of this is accurate from day one. (laughs)
0: Like there was,
1: there was no, like shoulda, woulda, coulda. She's coming from my job. She's jealous of that. Nah, there was none of that. Like, Everybody agrees on all the facts, apparently.
0: Yeah, so what a horrible message it sends that he may not even miss a full three months of coaching in the NBA. But and sadly, you know, the way they're getting around it is
1: he didn't technically violate an NBA rule.
0: Yeah, the NBA did nothing
1: because he they violated figured like, hey, a
0: team rule, and this is up to the team on how they want to deal with it. Yeah, and I mean, he sus- was suspended by the Celtics. For a year you were at that point hoping that nobody else would get involved with this, but you know, desperate teams do desperate things. It's just, yep. it's uh, you know, I, I had another possible soapbox cat from the nets because I'm sure you saw Kyrie Irving posted an anti-Semitic video.
1: Well, of course. Cause that dude's an idiot. He, I dude, I like, he's reached a point that hardly anybody even pays him attention anymore, which is sad. But, like, this is after he had all those COVID stuff and the earth was round, flat and, you know, like, he's he's on, I almost feel like he's on every conspiracy just to, like, be in the headlines because nobody's paying attention to him for basketball anymore. Yeah, they
0: can't hit the broadside of a barn with the moonbeam at this point. So, it's all, the only news he is, so, yeah, it's, it is a total <laughs> hot garbage fire in in uh, Brooklyn. I almost said New Jersey because I'm old and they used to be the New Jersey Nets. That's true. <laughs> Which yeah, just a terrible message to send for a basketball team or really for for any any multi billion dollar company, you know, they, you'd think that'd be the minimum. Hey, you get caught you get caught messing around with a subordinate. Okay, yeah. Minimum you you or I would easily lose our job. You know oh, it would not be in a question. Yeah, it wouldn't be a suspension. You know, it's like, you, you're done. We just you, you clear out your locker, you know, or your desk or what have you. But,
1: well, you know, some people are operating on a different level, unfortunately, and the
0: same things don't apply to them. Of course, I say that. And then, you know, the case of Jeffrey Tubin, who, you know, got caught. Dude, <laughs> touching like himself I don't even. During a Zoom meeting, you know, admittedly, he lost the job at the New Yorker. But was, it, it took cnn getting a whole new ownership for him to finally get fired from cnn yeah it's just crazy so I, I i often i say we'd be fired you know do you just yeah at this point <laughs> if you can make somebody enough money yeah that's that's the real trick right
1: all right it's that time why don't we tell everybody some other interesting things we learned because it would be a little more lighthearted this time around
0: All right, Uh, Overwatch 2 launched recently, and in theory (laughs) it is free to play, but it does include a battle pass. So I guess kind of make of that what you will. And uh, one of the numerous problems that's cropped up is uh, support queues are taking just forever. (laughs) Nobody really wants to play support because a number of things have happened. First of all, they've gone from 6v6 to 5v5. So and the, and the person that took off the team was they took one of the tanks. So it's even uh-huh. harder to it's even harder to play support now because there's one less beefy character uh, blocking people from getting to you. So the meta is kind of just uh, a lot of especially lower ranks, a lot of deathmatch, run around, just try to murder people. Oh, is there an objective? We we may get to it, we may not.
1: Okay, so I'm. Me not playing Overwatch. This is actually set up where you have to have certain assignments on the team. You can't just have like, I don't know, like five tanks or whatever.
0: No. Th- well, there, there's an open queue where you can do, with, I guess, basically what you want to, like you described. But most people do roll queue if you actually want to try oh. to you know be competitive and win where you have to have a tank. Two DPS and two support. Gotcha. I think the one time I checked it
1: out, it was just open, so that's why I was kind of confused. Okay, that yeah, makes sense. When it first started, you
0: could you could do whatever you wanted to do. Okay, okay. Yeah, I don't. I, that's kind
1: of a weird one that they m- made them so weak. Was
0: there like a particular reason? Uh that they, they felt like a five v five would just be you know more more competitive. I guess more in theory. Fun to watch because you know they have the multi-billion-dollar Overwatch League. They're trying to sell to people, huh? Do the, I and mean? Also, I guess the games play faster because of it. Yeah, not necessarily better, yeah, <laughs> especially yeah, the lower yeah. ranks. But I guess faster is a legitimate thing. And also, there's a not, there's a battle pass. There's a brand new support character that people would like to play because she can she can teleport to other people. So if she's getting destroyed by the opposing DPS, she can get the <laughs> heck out of there. But if you don't want to pay money, it takes you 50 hours to unlock her, making even fewer people want to play support. Dude, 50 hours is a long time. Right. Like,
1: seriously. Like, there was a stretch where I was playing Teamfight tactics for, like, maybe two hours a night. Like, that still would take me
0: um, over a month. Yeah. Like, that's... That's that's what it would be for for most people, unless, you know... (laughs) Again, unless you're some kind of streamer that's running Overwatch 24-7, even still, that's, you know, 50 yeah, hours just 50 hours. Two that's hours it. a
1: night, and I was yeah. playing three or four nights in a week. Like, I, that would take me forever.
0: They'd rather you just give them, I think in her case, it's $10. So that's the whole free-to-play balance they've struck. But in a situation like this where they need more people to play support, this is further discouraging people from playing support.
1: Yeah, that, that feels like a bad move. Like I get it. If you're not going to have the sixty dollar entry and you want to do everything else, a la carte or whatever, cool. But it sounds like in this particular situation, there should have been some other way to earn the characters, since they're kind of
0: trying to solve a need. It sounds like right. So there needs to be some kind of way, you know, where the, especially I, I think support, maybe for support, maybe make it twenty hours <laughs> if you if something good, something. Yeah. Because a character be that can rest. teleport,
1: even just to teleport to make it easier to
0: heal people, or whatever, sounds yeah. awesome. Like in any game, like exactly. that seems like a really cool character. Yeah, and she also, you know, she she has a kunai that she carries. So you know, if you're if you're good with it with your aim, Kariko can pop people's heads. She can, you know, go aggro if she needs to, and especially at lower ranks. Yeah, it's very possible you're going to need to get some kills because that may not be happening. You know, from the DPS in the lower ranks. Yeah, that's tough.
1: That's tough. I don't, yeah, I'm not sure. Or maybe make it a cheaper buy in, maybe five bucks instead of ten bucks or something. Yeah, something like, yeah.
0: something to encourage more people to play the role. Cause the character is definitely stepping in the right direction. She is the kind of, cause I, yeah, if you're, you know, stand there and literally your character pretty much all they can do is heal. Yeah, that's maybe not the most fun role. And again, if you, if you don't have protection, it's an almost unplayable role.
1: Yeah, that's funny, you know, because I think about my time playing League of Legends, which, again, I haven't played in years. But when they would rotate champions through, you know, whatever it was, the five for ten or whatever it was for the week, you could just play those infinite. And then if you did want them, you just I know, it was like five bucks or something. You just paid whatever it was just to have it permanently on your account. But like, it feels weird that you can't even get access to it until then. Like, that's that's tough. Yeah, 50 hours. That's a that's a pretty hefty goal for a lot of people. Hmm. Well, I have a little bit of a different story. Uh, I, for those of you that don't know, Snoop Dogg has, uh, I don't know, oh, I would say over the last probably close to 10 years, he's been like rehabbing his image, if you will. <laughs> you know, he's done some shows with Martha Stewart. He's doing goofy commercials now with, with Saturday Night Live characters trying to sell you some Corona, you know, just doing some different stuff, and even and well, what was people, he
0: redeeming himself or was he redeeming Martha Stewart? Because like the meme says, which one of these two is the convicted felon? That's it's fair. Not the one you that's did. fair.
1: They they might have been rehabbing each other's image to be to be honest. But the interesting thing is what people don't know about Snoop Dogg is he's actually done a lot of stuff for kids, like he he you know was out being a coach for Little League football yep. and like all kinds of stuff. Like I so think as much as them
0: a bus yeah. <laughs> and
1: everything. So as much as we have the image of him being you know the cali gangster rapper or whatever like hey don't be me wrong he's still smoking his weed and all that that ain't yeah. change but he really has been doing a lot of community stuff or whatever and i discovered earlier today now embracing his role as uncle snoop uh, he is actually doing voiceover songs for kids shows and stuff and he's got a rap song out about positive affirmations, so the kids can help themselves feel better. And I'm like, he's just turned the corner and gone full wholesome at this point.
0: Like, That's the thing, people. You know, people can change, and yeah, most people, you know, do change over time. It's like a lot of the dumb stuff you're doing when you're 25, provided you live to be 45 or 50. Like, okay, yeah, I can't just be you know out turning up every night.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Well, plus, you know, he's he's got kids and grandkids and, you know, exactly. like, that'll change your perspective anyway. Right. But, of course, people are like, I don't know how people are going to feel about a guy smoking weed that does blah, blah, blah. And I was like, come on, people. Like, this is a super positive message being done in the best way. And it's even done with, like, you know, the cartoony, like, uh, costumed character dancing behind the kids doing those. It, it looks like it came right out of, like, a, you know... uh, uh, Barney or Teletubbies or whatever, you know, one of those type of things. So I'm like, what is? there's nothing to hate here? Like, he's trying to and do some something of the, positive. He's some trying to
0: save people. If it was their local senator doing this, regardless of how much of a drug fiend or sex fiend that senator might be, they'd support it. Oh yeah, they'd you be know, trying to the, celebrate it, about see yeah. what he's
1: doing for the community, and he's trying to uphold the people or whatever. Like, like yeah, come on. But I, I think this is positive. Like, you should want more of this. Like from everybody, honestly, like there's nothing. And of course, there's no foul language. It's not insinuating anything. It's just, you know, even the lyrics are like, this is what an affirmation means. And then it kind of goes over one or two affirmations that you can say to yourself in the morning and help yourself feel better. You know, that sort of thing. And I'm like, this is cool. Like, this is this is what we should want from celebrities to be able to do something positive. Use your popularity to make society better. Like I like, there's nothing to complain about here. And it, and it honestly, it is, it's a little bit of a bop, you know, I, you know, they tried to make it sound like a real song, but yeah, it's just being good, man. Just being positive. Uncle Snoop out here doing right. it. So I got to give props to Unc cause you know, he's, he's getting it done.
0: Yeah. And you know, Ice Cube with, with the whole, where are, or what, what is, where are they? We, are we there yet? That's what I oh, think. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're that seeing a bunch and, of and, gangsters. In, and ride along. right? <laughs>
1: Oh, man. All right. Let's get into the topics and talk a little bit about some magic here. So we talked a lot about Magic 30 leading up to it because communication was rough. The whole cosplay situation started out terribly. And it was hard just to go into the show with any real concept of how good or bad it was going to be. Right. Like you you hope for the best, but we, we didn't have a lot to hope for going, you know what I mean? Like we all were kinda like ah uh, it, it was rough. <laughs> if everything's as bad as the communication up to this point, this could be a long weekend, y'all. Like, ah, man. But you know what? Okay, let me let me start with just the makeup of the attendees. Cause the one thing that stood out immediately was the number of non males in the room. Now, I don't want to say we had reached equilibrium or proper numbers where we should cuz like really until we're at like at least 60-40 we ain't there yet, you know what I mean? But I would say for real cuz I was doing like quick head counts, it was somewhere between like 20 and 30%, yeah. which is huge when it used to be like closer to 10
0: or less percent. You know, or, like or 10 individuals Yeah, in <laughs> some cases.
1: Right? Like we made real progress. Like and, and this was progress made during the pandemic. But I think this shows that having, especially like women, be on commentary regularly, wizards sponsoring these different creators to do promotions and stuff, having different people on their, their new YouTube channel, you know, people like the professor and game nights or whatever, inviting a diverse list of guests on to participate, it makes a difference. And, and I saw multiple people come up to other creators and say like, oh, man, you know, your stuff is the reason that I like this format or I wanted to try this or I got into streaming or whatever. Like that was repeated throughout the weekend, many times with women that they were talking to. So it's like every time somebody says like ah well, diversity, blah, blah, representation, but like it does matter, though. Like we have physical proof that it matters people attended this weekend eager to meet some of their favorite streamers creators youtubers celebrities whatever and wanted to share their like emotional attachment and importance with them like when it, and honestly i'll tell you one of the common thing that came up on creators is like having to at least accept some level of like you mean something to people and let them enjoy their excitement don't be like overly humble and like shoot it down, you know, let them have their moment that they're getting to see somebody that's super famous, that means something to them or whatever, and just roll with it. So that, that was my first takeaway, which felt really cool just to see that. And I think it largely had to do with the show being focused on the casual sides of magic more than the actual, competitive part right because it still had the world championship and you still had a section of the room that was doing like qualifiers for stuff but i mean like we've talked about it before brian like you know that every game is going to be 90 percent casual players right right so like why have we always focused magic events on the most competitive thing and then like sprinkled in some casual stuff on the side that just never made sense and this is kind of the first time i can think of where we truly did it the other way around
0: that and it was like you're talking about with the uh, with the uh, the diversity. Some of these things, I think, it almost took a pandemic for people to just sit down, look at the way they had been doing things, in real. Or in some cases, you know, it wasn't even just it wasn't necessarily driven by the companies. It was driven by the players, where people had to find other ways to play Magic, other ways to get together, and a lot of people tried to had to play different formats because there was nothing competitive for what year and a half, two years. That's actually a good assessment, honestly. Like, when you couldn't
1: go do anything else, that kind of makes a lot of sense. I kind of just have to do whatever the other casual folks are doing because I can't go play in some $20, $50, whatever big event because they just don't exist. So, yeah, maybe that was part of it, too. And it just changed a lot of people's perspectives. But, I mean, I saw more families out and about, like, lots of couples. You know, like it, it was just a really different feeling event. And honestly, it's kind of what I was hoping we would see. But, you know, I had no idea because I we hadn't been to a full-fledged, full-on, include-everything type magic event in a while. So it was kind of cool to see that. So that that was my number one takeaway, of just seeing the progress we made during the pandemic. Because, you know, we, we've we talked about it on the show, right? There's been a new diversity of direct, director at Wizards. Like, we've we've had women guests on our show. Like, there's the professors opened up and started including a bunch of different people in his stuff. And like over time, these are starting to have an impact. And I told people like no single effort is just going to change everything. But given three years of multiple people, you know, working on it, we're now starting to see those efforts and those changes come to light. And that's really, really cool. And also, it's neat because it kind of now gives us a window of what to expect, right? If you start yep. making changes and you're consistent about them or whatever, it might take
0: 2 to 3 years. But we and, know we and now importantly people have seen how it can be, so we're hopefully not going to let it go back to the way it used to be. For sure, for sure. And that and that leads
1: to the second part of my observations is when you do that, there's way more people involved that can help everybody make more money. Like I know people want to talk about the business side. I know people hate that, but it's reality. Right when you're talking about your local game store having more patrons, when you're talking about it, it, just the show in general, I'll tell you, dude, on the first two days, multiple uh, most of the vendors were too not not just a line around their booth. That line was too deep a lot of the time. Like people were there actively spending, excited about everything. Like it was just a whole different feel than we'd had at events. But again, a lot of magic events we went to put the playing and competitive part first and the other stuff second when we flip the script now there's way more for people to be excited about and i think we were seeing that and god bless the cosplayers because they put up with a lot leading up to the event but the setup they had for the the cosplayers they invited was so good dude like they had these things we started calling them layers because i i don't know we didn't have a real name for them But basically, picture five zones set up for the five colors of magic, and each one is, like, a soundstage or room, effectively, that's themed to that color. So, like, Liliana's was a little bit darker, and it had her throne, and, you know, creepy magic stuff, black stuff or whatever. And then the blue one had, like, a a counter set up with, like, beakers and whatever, you know, because blue is alchemical or whatever, right? And then if you went to the blue one, you would have Teferi there, stage to take pictures with you and stuff. Or you go to the black one, there was like Liliana, or the red one had had Chandra. People ate that up, dude. Like, I mean, I saw every time I passed by, like, the cosplayers were taking so many pictures and signing things, and like, so many moments there for people. Like, that was... And it was a thing I don't think any of us knew was going to be a thing. Hell, I, one of the cosplayers I talked to knew they were going to be stationed somewhere to take a picture. But we were thinking, you know, like if you've ever been to a convention, there's spots that are just like designated spots for cosplayers to stop and take pictures so they're not holding up the flow of traffic in the hallways. This was an actual like designated whole ass space just for that cosplayer. Like it was super cool. Super cool.
0: That does sound incredible.
1: Yeah, it was way, way, way different than anything we'd seen before. So credit to them on that front. The other thing, too, that was interesting. Well, dude, OK, before I leave the cosplayer note, do you see the winner of the cosplay contest? I knew who the winner was soon as I, <laughs> soon as I saw their costume. Same. Like, that was unreal. Like, of all the characters you would think somebody would cosplay to begin with, I would not have had Ashiok on the top of my list. One, because I wouldn't have thought Ashiok was that popular. But two, that's like a hard costume to do and get right. With all the little like weird creepy stuff on the arms and hands and the outfits. And not only that, like the mask is weird. So like, but you know what? The winner got it exactly right. Like, the smoking head even...
0: Yeah, like, if, you, if you hadn't seen it, you're like go you, 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 go look search that
1: out online.
0: It, yeah, just phenomenal. look up
1: Magic 30 Cosplay Winner. I'm sure that comes up on the internet. Like, matter of fact, I'm going to do it right now because I'm sure that has to be it. Magic 30 Cosplay Winner. I bet you it's going to come up. What happened at Magic 30? Okay, yep, there it is. Yeah, so it'll come up. If you do a search, you'll find it.
0: We we talked about how you know I feel bad for whoever had to go on stage after that person. Dude, you knew you were up, but like
1: as soon as that person went on stage, I'm like everybody else is playing for second place.
0: It, it was like back in the day going up at the comedy store after Robin Williams. You you just didn't want to. Yeah, you know <laughs> Dude, you're I, done. I don't need to. I don't need to go up tonight. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, you know you're done at that point,
1: right? Like it's just the craziest thing, and it's so like. So unexpected, I think, when you saw the costume. Cause don't get me wrong, everybody there, their costumes were hitting. Everyone, like the level of cosplay in the magic community is fan freaking tastic. There, there's not a there wasn't a one of those that you looked at and went, they have no chance of winning any awards this weekend. You know what I mean? Like every one of them, you kind of went like, oh, maybe. You know, like, ah, that's pretty cool too. Or like, oh, that's a cool version of that character, or whatever. Like Everybody had positive reactions. There was just one that everybody kind of, even the other cosplayers went like, yeah. (laughs) Like I'm looking at it with other people who do cosplay and they're like, yeah, that's unreal. I was like, yeah. And not only that, they had like the creepy fingernails and like the mannerisms. The only thing that would have made it better as if they'd have found a way to do a voice box and had like the creepy sounding voice for Ashiok, that would have been it. Like there's really almost nothing else you could do to that outfit. But yeah, so after everything, you know, the prizes and the communication, whatever, they managed to pull it off and and the cosplay contest went over very well. So credit to that. The other thing, too, I would say that surprised me. We talked about this a little bit off the air. It, it was a little surprising and a little not, but I got to meet a couple more of the diversity candidates that they invited to the show. And So far, to my knowledge, none of them were like actual creators and stuff or whatever. They were actually just regular community folks, which is awesome. But one of them was telling me, like, first off, just came and sought me out just to talk to me. And then after we've been talking for a few minutes, they mentioned that they were one of the, the candidates. And they were just saying, like, you know, their whole story they even submitted was just about how magic gave them direction and got them basically out of trouble and off the streets and you know, just how important it was for them in their life to even just be walking around if it weren't for magic. And I'm sure that stood out to wizards, you know, yeah. like, so I'm sure that's why they got it. But the person was lovely. Like we taught, I was talking to them uh, at the karaoke thing. Cause there was a karaoke on a Friday night. God, I don't know the wind- weekend almost blends together, but yeah, Friday night. And that was kind of a surprise conversation. So that was really cool. Great person. And on Sunday, I believe it was Sunday. No, man, I think that no Saturday afternoon, I ran into one of the other candidates who I believe they said was from California. But this guy works with effectively underprivileged youth, uh, you know, kind of an underfunded school, all that stuff. And he uses magic as a way to kind of give them an after school activity, you know, build them up to use skills, something to pay attention to collect that just isn't just junk, you know, and apparently it's working out well for their program. They're getting more people interested. He was talking about to me about how he's going forward soon to uh, some type of meeting or presentation where he might get more funding to specifically be able to buy magic stuff for the program to advance it, which is cool. So, yeah, it was it was neat. And, again, another candidate that Wizards saw, like, hey, there's somebody doing something positive in the community. Because of Magic, like, we want this person definitely at our show. And he had already said it was worth it for him to visit because he, he made a lot of contacts. He had set up some donations. You know, he got some ideas for things he could do. So if people are wondering, like, why does it matter for them to invite these people? Like, there's moments like that where this guy's program is going to be enriched and some kids are going to be better off because this person got to attend when normally one bunch of the tickets were sold out probably for what he wanted to do to start with, but he wouldn't have been able to attend otherwise. Right. So being able to get that money, the free room or whatever it is, you know, the stuff they gave them as, as part of the prizes allowed him to go and make his program better. So yeah, just credit that that whole thing worked despite the whole process of having to submit things and whatever, like, we know of three now, and I and again, I only know about them because they specifically said something. But I'm going to assume at this point the others were at least reasonably similar. Now that we've established a pattern, and I got to give credit, right? Like you, you got the right people. They enrich our community. They're doing good because of magic. I, it, again, I, we talk about it, right? Like we want to bash stuff when they screw up. <laughs> But you got to praise it when it's good, too. And and
0: this sounds like that.
1: Yeah, it's hard, man, because like everything that led up to Magic 30 felt a bit disjointed. It's probably a polite way to put it, right? Like it was a bit of a mess. Communication was off. Like it's almost like stuff was getting posted before it was finalized, just like all kinds of things. And then when we got to the actual show, it it was great. I mean, like, literally, like, the only one thing I really have that stands out is just the command zone space. But even that, I understand how it got to be the way it is. And they've already talked about, you know, things they learned from the show and how they'll fix it for next time, whatever. So that's fine. But outside of that one thing, everything else felt pretty damn good. And I saw so many excited people and everybody going like, oh, man. Like, honestly, one of the things that stood out to me, even from creators and stuff, there were people saying like, man, you know, going into this. I don't even know if I what I expected, but now I'm eager to maybe try to make one of the other ones. So a bunch of us went from like, well, we'll show up because, you know, we're going to try to do business or whatever. And then going like, damn, I wonder if I can make it to one of the other ones. You know what I mean? Like, that's how good it was. Like, it literally took us from I don't even know if I want to be at this one to I definitely want to try to make another one. So they got it right. I want to talk crap. You can't, though. Like, they did a lot. And. Credit to them; they made a right decision to work with Reed Pop, who does a lot of the other big conventions. Like you've probably, if you've been to a big convention, you've probably been to a read Pop event and didn't know it. Like they do a lot of, especially like PAX and some Comic Cons and stuff like that. Like they they do that level of stuff, and it showed. Like it was really, really good. But man, there was so much. Like I said, I mentioned the karaoke thing. That one late one night. Everybody had a good time with it. They had a couple of, I believe, Friday and Saturday each had. Parties in the building next door after the event; those went over well with everyone. I mean, there's just like a whole bunch of stuff to talk about. Like it, it, and I know I'm forgetting stuff even now. I'm like going back,
0: trying really quick to recall. So much, (laughs) yeah. You know, in, in just a couple of days.
1: Yeah, it's just crazy, crazy stuff, man. So I, I hope I'm crossing my fingers that the others. I think the next one's in Philly in February. I'm hoping the next few that they do are at least as good as this because I can see where they were already talking about improving and there was other things they wanted to add that we've already given feedback on. So if the next ones are even, you know, each 10 or 15% better or they add a little bit here, add a little bit there, by the time we get back to Vegas next year, it could be a full-blown, for real, full-on, like, magic convention. And it was already pretty close to that already. So, yeah, there's a lot. For as good as it was, there was a lot to look forward to. And credit, I'll get off this here now, but there's one last thing. Their their merchandise was really good. Because, like, if you've been to PAX or TwitchCon or whatever, it's usually like, hey, you could buy a shirt and a cap and a hoodie, maybe some stickers or whatever, right? They had, like, these throwback-style jean jackets with different patches of, like, magic and set-related stuff you could buy. They had, like, jerseys. They had glasses and tumblers and, like... Their merch line, I swear, was like, it felt like it was like 200 people deep all weekend until maybe the last couple hours of every day when they started cutting the line off. But yeah, just stayed busy. So they were making and selling things that people wanted. Like, so many things made this event just strong, memorable, profitable, you know, for Wizards and, and all included. Like, yeah, just so much. But uh, let's talk just a little bit about the Brothers War. So first things first, Brian, have you been paying attention to the previews at all for Brothers War?
0: Transformers set. Yes, I, yes I, the Transformers previews anyway. They, they're the other cards are just like yeah, well, other people that helped the Transformers or how to look at the other cards.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. Now, I have to admit, like, this set does have a little bit of everything for everybody, which... I don't know if I was expecting that. I sort of felt like maybe that's where they would have done Dominary United, right? Being kind of like the title set for Dominary or whatever would have been the thing. But I feel like this set is like, we're going to close the year strong and give a product that everybody wants to buy. It's sort of the vibe I'm getting because there's obviously stuff for Standard. But I'm seeing stuff that works well in Commander, things that work even in Legacy, or like in your case, you know, just the collector stuff. That's going to draw a lot of people in. Now, I don't know if we still know. Do we know the drop rates yet on the Transformer stuff? I do not. Yeah, because I, I was looking for that last week. I don't remember seeing it posted yet. So I don't know how frequent those appear. And I don't know if they're just in collector's boosters or in all set boosters. So I need to find that out. But they look sweet. I will say that. Because like, the only Transformers magic cards we have were the couple of ones we had that were promos. For a different event. I think like Hascon or whatever had some, right? And because I think there was a Grimlock, if I'm not mistaken, I think was the one that we actually had. And this is gonna be the first time we get some that are actually like, hey, these are made for magic. You can play with them, you know, let's let's see if how they go over with the audience. And it's a little weird on the one hand to be like, we're getting Transformers, but it's also a set that's all about artifacts and stuff. Metal. So if there is going to be a set, this is probably the one. (laughs) Because otherwise, we're going to go back to Phyrexia, and that's all like creepy, dark, whatever. So, like, I mean, I guess if you wanted to see this one with a bunch of Autobots and see that one with a bunch of Decepticons, (laughs) that would have kind of made sense. But yeah, I'm on board, man. I guess from being a collector and fan of stuff like that, how much impact do you think that stuff has on, on fans or sales?
0: Oh, I, I feel like you would know what when it, when it does to sales better than probably better than what I would. I mean, it's definitely going to sell me cards probably that I wouldn't have bought before because I'm not nearly as familiar with uh, the the characters that are, you know, that are the, the magic characters that are involved in the Brothers War.
1: You know, that's kind of an interesting thing you bring up, right? Because even for this being the 30th anniversary of magic, Transformers was still around, God, what, 15 years before that? Right. You know what I mean? Uh, Maybe not that 10 years at least before that. Right. So it's been a while. It's been a while. So that brings up a a really interesting thing of like, there are people that are still going to have more of an attachment to transformers than they are to magic. And that may have an appeal. The only thing I have to relate it to is when they did the Godzilla theme cards back in Icoria, and I, again, I'm not a big Godzilla fan, so it didn't really move my needle one way or the other. But I do remember seeing people specifically like being excited coming into the local store, trying to see if they had the others to complete their set of them, You know, trying to get them in regular and foil and all that stuff. So there is a market when you do this crossover stuff. I know some people say, I'm getting tired of it. I don't want to see these other IPs in my magic or whatever. But it is bringing people into the game. You know, it is helping your local stores. It is moving more booster packs like they're doing the things that you want them to do. And on some level, it sort of feels inevitable at some point, like even if they didn't appear in boosters, you would start doing a thing where like, hey, order this movie online and we'll send you this magic promo or whatever. Right. That, that was something like that was going to be a thing.
0: Or I mean, are you because we're we're a couple of I guess sets into universes beyond type stuff. Are you seeing a bunch of Walking Dead cards in your local games? Or? No, I'm
1: really not. I I'm seeing like I think I've seen one ever to be honest. Like I even when I was at Command Fest, I think I saw one that's some there at between the two events that somebody actually played with. So it's not like they warped the
0: format or anything. So a lot of people, I'm sure, a lot of people are buying these like just as a collector's item, where they buy yes. all the Walking Dead pops and and may never even open these cards. So they so they're not going to ruin any kind of any kind of meta game that you might have or anything along those lines.
1: No, I think you're exactly right. I think a lot of it is for collector's sake on that type of stuff. And remember, when the Walking Dead stuff came out, it was kind of part of a big push from. Uh, E and all that stuff where they were trying to really build up like, Hey, this is one of the final seasons of the set or of of the series. We want to get different products. We want to get people paying attention. And it was part of a bigger marketing vehicle of why it even happened. So, you know, for wizards and magic to get to be part of the public zeitgeist, if you will, for a thing that's just been around. Cause at that point we were kind of just starting to tail downward on the popularity of the series. And it makes sense to want to be part of that, right? And we got a product. We got it out there. It obviously sold well. It's one of the best-selling secret layers to date still, from what I understand. Like, and again, we all, I say we all, like as a community, there was like panic, but nothing really came of it, right? Like our game didn't fall apart because they include another thing. We're not seeing all those cards at every single command game, warping the format or anything, Hell, there was even one of them. They tried, uh, I think it was the main guy, they tried to put in some legacy decks and it was hot for like a month and then I haven't seen people even mention that deck since. So people played it when it was hot, they tried it, the format adjusted and then it basically disappeared. So yeah, and these are cool collector's items. Don't get me wrong, if you're fans of the show, you're fans of Magic, like those are neat things just to have. I don't fault anybody for that. Like it's cool. And same thing with like, the Godzilla stuff and with Transformers. I think it's going to be neat for a lot of people just to own those. I mean, I may even get a set of the Transformers because my, my woman collects Transformer stuff. So to have them on a nice little display next to the other things could be kind of cool, you know, so I might pick them up, but yeah, I, I think we have to just, I mean, I get it right. On some level, people say like, I just want my magic to be magic. And I, I do understand that perspective, but we just live in a world where it's hard to expect there to not be crossovers with IPs anymore as big as some of them are. I mean, hell, we've even got to the point where Smash Brothers including stuff from all kinds of things. You know, like they're reaching out into different games and different companies and inviting characters in. So, you know, just like you talked about the Warner Brothers thing, right? It was only a matter of time until they decided they want to do something. And now they've got a thing. Or hell, Nickelodeon had a thing or whatever, right? Like like, everybody's trying to get in on the action. So it makes sense that where you have a chance to brand or mix brands or whatever, people are going to do it.
0: It is the era of the shared universe. Right? Yeah.
1: I, it doesn't look like we're going back. I agree. I don't think we are. So I I don't know if we're going to see a lot of this in the regular set boosters. Because, again, I mean, we did Godzilla. And then we did some Dracula, if you want to call it that. That's not really branded. But there was the dracula theme stuff in Innistrad. And then I think this is the only other thing we've had recently. So, you know, than the Transformer stuff. So it's not like it's happening all that often. And really, we could only truly say that Godzilla and and Transformers are really the two branded of the last three. So I mean it's fine. I mean, I'll be curious to see how people treat it, if those cards pop up in different commander games or not. I the weird thing to me is a lot of people still get custom proxy art done up on cards, you know, get their stuff altered. And we're all okay with that, but when it's like an official card, everybody goes like, rabble, rabble, rabble. I, I don't want that artwork on my magic card, right? Like, uh, So I don't know. Uh, but they have said all these cards that are these different versions of things are showing up in these, the list in set boosters, uh, I believe four to six months after they release. So you do have a shot to get these in just regular magic art if you want the cards to do the same thing, but you don't want the other non-magic style artwork in your stuff. And we saw that most recently. The one that stands out for me is the Stranger Things one, you know, from the secret layer or whatever. And then you were able to get those in regular boosters. Uh, I would think that means the next step would be the Street Fighter ones, because I think those were unique. So we'll be seeing those show up in set boosters soon. But yeah, I don't know. I like it. I, I think it's neat. It draws a lot of bodies in. I think the set so far has lots of good stuff. So, yeah, I'm all for it. I'll be interested to see when we get through the rest of this week what the set looks like as a whole and uh, really start plotting that a little bit. But, you know, instead of just having a topic for the dinner table, I decided I was going to share some story time with you, Brian. All right. (laughs) Yeah, so... I'm trying to figure out the best way to like preface the story without (laughs) blowing the, the, the finale, the climax, if you will. But, uh, you know, and I know some people are going to hate hearing this phrase, but you, you hear sometimes people of color use the phrase, I wish I had the confidence of an average white man. This story is, is really like an embodiment of that phrase. So, For those of you who don't know, what happened at the end of each night is we kind of just paired off into groups and we all did different things as though you do when you're at a convention, right? People decide, hey, we're going to go out and eat. We're going to go to this casino. We're going to do whatever. And on one of the nights, this was Saturday. No, this this was Friday night, I believe it was. We were going back after we got done eating. And you know, people kind of start texting each other, like, hey, what are y'all up to? Where are y'all meeting at? Whatever. And a couple of people in our group had gotten multiple messages like, hey, some of the groups playing Magic over at the Plaza Hotel, resort, casino, or whatever, right? So we're like, okay, the plaza's right in the same area we're in. It's just kind of across the street. We'll go over there and meet them. And as we're walking over there, I'm getting messages. Other people are getting messages like, Oh, we're we're in a lobby. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, which one? Like, we're in a lobby on the third floor. And immediately my spider senses start going off because anybody knows anything about a lot of these buildings. There are no lobbies on the third floor. They are either rooms or it's like convention ballroom space, right? There's no lobbies on the third floor, but I'm like, you know what? I haven't been in all these buildings on Fremont street. Some of these are older businesses. Maybe the designs are different. Maybe there's a lobby there, right? I could be wrong, but I tell the people in my group, this feels weird. Something's all right. But hey, I'll go along for now. We'll see. Maybe, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. So we get there. And one of the other members of our degenerate gaming group, Veggie Wagon, you've probably seen him making crazy videos online. He comes down to meet us. And he's effectively our Sherpa to where this place is. Because, And I say this because this ends up being a journey. So we go up two escalators to get to the third floor. And immediately I'm looking down a long ass hallway of a ballroom. Or uh, of meeting rooms that, you know, have the hallways connected to the ballrooms. So immediately in my head, I'm like, I know how much ballrooms cost having run events, and they're even more in Vegas. And I know we didn't pay for a ballroom just to play magic late at night in one of these hotels, right? Not a thing. So now I'm like, all right, what gives? But everybody else seems to be cool about it. So I'm like, all right. But so I'm like, guys, I don't know. I'm just letting y'all you know. I'm pretty sure we ain't supposed to be up here. And at one point, I'm pretty sure I even said the phrase, being a black guy walking into the space, if I was by myself, I'd have turned around 200 feet ago. <laughs> like, <laughs> for real. Just being honest, right? So we go about, I don't know, halfway down this hallway. And there's a door that's closed. Looks like it's supposed to be locked, but it's not. So they open it. And I t- I'm not joking with you when I tell you this room was nearly pitch black. There are no lights on or whatever. And I'm like, why are we in here? And they're like, no, no, no. We have to go through here to the other space. And I'm like, oh, God. I'm like, how do- I'm like, in my head, I'm like, how do you even find this space? Right? Because it's one thing if you just, like, stumble on a ballroom that's open or whatever. You decide to camp out and be dumb and play magic or whatever. Right? Somebody went out of their way. Because this is a pretty big-ass room. We have to traverse this space and go beyond this to another hallway, to another room. And I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. Now I'm kind of in for the experience. I just want to see where this is going now. Because I'm like, (laughs) I know we ain't supposed to be here at this point. I Like, 100% fact, we are not supposed to be in this space. So we traverse this room. We go through the hallway. There's another lit room. We cross that, and then the room's right there, right? Well, by the time we get there, and this crew I'm with is, I don't know, like, maybe six or eight people at this point we get in there and there's already like, I don't know, 30 people or so just hanging out already playing magic. They they've commandeered tables and chairs well, to the point that they didn't even unstack the chairs. Some of them are sitting on chairs that are stacked too high. Like, so somebody has been, uh, so at this point I'm doing like my CSI, like how did this get to be right? I'm like looking at stuff in the room. I'm like calculating, you know, that meme they have of the dude from, from uh uh what's it? the, the, the stupid movie where the dudes went to Vegas and you see all the like the numbers and stuff flashing in front of them. I was doing that. Oh, the, the Hangover. Head. Yeah, exactly. So I'm doing that, right, looking at the room, trying to piece it together cuz I'm looking at stuff on the floor and stuff on the wall. And I look down, I'm like, "Okay, there's something on the floor here. I don't know what that is. That's weird. I hope we didn't make that mess, right?" So I'm looking around and I'm looking in the corner and I'm like, "Guys, there's a problem." I'm like, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "I'm pretty sure this thing down on the floor, this mess is cake." And they're like, "Why do you say that?" I'm like, "Well, looking at how these tables probably were set up, and there's a stand on the other side. And if you look behind the stand, there's still a register there. There's a good chance this room was a cash bar used for some type of wedding reception or something." And they're like, "Okay." And I'm like, "Yeah, that means somebody's going to be back here to reset this room, probably for something else going on this weekend. This this was the one room with light on because they probably weren't done yet." Like, you know, I'm like doing the math. Like, somebody's going to be back here. And they are like, no, nah, it's fine. And of course, not to be like standoffish or cause problem, but like every person who told me it's fine was definitely not a person of color. Just saying, you're like, right. <laughs> like, hey, facts are facts. Just call it what it is. So everyone's like, no, nah, it's fine. We've been in here for like two hours. Whatever. That, that means the person's closer to coming back. That doesn't make me feel better. Right. But again, at this point, I'm kind of like, you know, I just want to see this blow up on some people now. So I grab a chair and me and the one James, uh, another creator, we're, we're talking about YouTube and stuff off to the side. And at this point, some another second crew I'd been hanging out with shows up. So they they meet us. There. So now we've got like by the end of all this, like people keep showing up because everybody keeps texting everyone, which, by the way, if you want to keep a secret on your secret hideout, you don't tell everybody where the secret hideout is. Like <laughs> So they keep invite. So at one point, I think there are for real is like 60 people in this room that nobody's supposed to be in, which at some point somebody on staff or security is going to wonder where the hell are all these people going, right? Cause nobody's supposed to be up here. So we're there hanging out, you know, my crew kind of shows up some degenerate gamers. I've been hanging out with like Kes Wiley, Tappy Toe Claws, whatever. So they're there. And at one point I look around and Tappy comes over and she's like, here, takes this. And it's a beer. And honestly, and dude, I, to this moment, I don't know where the beers even came from. Like, at one point, there was not a table with beers, and then there was a table with beers. Like, I don't know if somebody went and bought some, or if they got them from the hall service closet. Like, I don't, I for real don't know. They were just beers somebody had set up on a table with no tops on them. And I'm just like, this is getting stranger by the second. But then, just shortly after that, before I have time to process where the beers appeared from, I see a dude who looks like security and random guy with him, who I'm assuming is probably a staffer, they kind of peek their head in and we're like, uh, what are y'all doing in here? And I'm like, yep, that's our cue. So I elbow my folks, whatever, and like head down. We just GTFO, right? Like we're, we're like, yep, that's the cue. Let's put our head down. Don't make eye contact. Just get the hell out, right? Just don't wait, do whatever. And the other folk, there's some people I hear behind me like justifying like, oh, we're playing magic, but like, like being chill about it. Like, yeah, they obviously realize you're doing something in here, idiots. Like we're not supposed to be here, right? So we take off, we get downstairs and, you know, it's my crew of basically like at that point, eight or nine people. Right. We get downstairs. We meet some other friends who are already down there at the craps table, which, by the way, maybe I'll tell craps table story another time because we had a couple of those that were hilarious. But we get down there and we're starting to hear that they're looking for people who are in the room. They're trying if you weren't staying at the plaza, they're trying to give you the boot off premises. Right, So we're like, ah, crap, Like everybody we're hanging out with is here. So we're like, ah, hold up a second. So we go over to the bar, we grab some drinks real quick, and then we kind of go just like huddle and crowd around like the craps table and just like interacting, put a little money down or whatever, you know, because they're not going to boot you out if you're being an actual like paid patron or whatever. And we got out quick enough, I don't think, because I saw a security walk by our table kind of looking at us, but they, I don't think they really recognize us. So... We escaped, uh, I don't know how many people got booted off-premises, but it was a non-zero number. That's all I know. So, yeah, I narrowly escaped getting booted out of the Plaza Hotel and Casino, along with, uh, I can safely say, like, Tappy won't care. She knows who's there. I think Kess Wiley was with us, MTG Nerd Girl. She bounced, actually, slightly before the, uh, the authorities got there, we'll say. Uh, the one James was with me uh, from the Safe Crew and a few others, but... Yeah, I don't ultimately know what the... I'm assuming there was no fines or anything. I think they just booted everybody just to get them out of the building. But yeah, I, I just don't know. Like, why? Why did... Like, I just have so many questions from that whole ordeal, though. Like, one, why did you think this was okay to begin with? But, like, two, how did you... Who found the room? Like, somebody had to go out of their way through dark rooms and hallways or whatever to find this room that was unlocked and available with tables and chairs. Somebody said, hey, let's go investigate. Yeah. Like, how badly do you want to play magic that you tell your friends, like, hold up, I'll find a space. And then you go on a journey randomly on the third floor of this casino or whatever and go, cool, I found space, guys. And then you just lead your friends up to this room. And how does nobody else have a problem with this? That was the other thing. Like, I walk in and everybody's wanting to act like it's just Okay. And the and only thing I can think in my head is this is totally not okay. <laughs> the whole time. So, yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. One of many, many, many stories from the weekend. But I figured you would get a kick out of that, of just my horror and surprise the entire time to find out that, yeah, obviously we weren't supposed to be there. But, yeah, some, some really fun crap stories, stories. So maybe I'll save those for next week as well. Because, like, this weekend gave me quite a lot to talk about. But yeah,
0: oh man, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on socials, Brian? All right, I am Brian Sonic on uh, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. Our family channel is Alad's Ever After on YouTube. You can find my writing over at tiltmagazine.com.
1: And you can find me just about everywhere we're power dragon p-o-w-r-d-r-a-g-n and right now if you want some set review stuff that's over on my youtube channel and we're gonna have some cool fun gaming play videos coming soon and maybe even reviewing some stuff from this latest brothers war that will be pretty entertaining so we're gonna sit on that for a little bit but as always wherever you're listening whenever you're listening good morning good afternoon good evening and good night please remember to take care of yourselves get your vaccines protect yourselves from everything, and remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us at our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate, under patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at colorofmtg. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base.